welcome listeners to episode number 16 of the Andrew Food for Thought podcast. Today's episode, I am joined by my guest, Alan Zhang, and we are recording here in Oakland, Chinatown. Um, we just got finished eating dinner at a uh, nice restaurant called Gum Kuo here in Chinatown, uh, the neighborhood that um, Alan grew up in. And um, so we're here in kind of a plaza area uh, with several different restaurants and shops uh, with the Oakland Asian Cultural Center and the Oakland uh, Public Library Asian Branch um, all kind of in this plaza area. And uh, yeah, just just finished dinner. Um, and so let's uh, go ahead and, and get started and talk about the restaurant a bit. Um, Alan, if you want to tell us um, what made you choose this restaurant today and uh, what do you like about the restaurant? restaurant because this is a restaurant that I grew up with. I lived in Oakland, Chinatown for, I uh, was born and raised in Oakland. I lived here for almost 10 years, uh, all the way up until uh, the end of elementary school. I think this restaurant kind of reminds me of childhood. Uh, they're known for their jump, which is porridge, uh, and they probably have one of the biggest kind of porridge menus uh, that, I, that I know of in the Bay Area. Today we had like roasted duck and uh, roasted pork. We also had uh, pan fried noodle, which is very uh, Cantonese and lobular like noodles with porridge. Uh, we also had a Chinese donut wrapped in uh, rice noodles. Um, also something that that a lot of Chinese people like eating with porridge. It kind of reminds them of like the crispy onions or like the crackers that you put on top of soup. So when I first walked into the restaurant, um, definitely noticed like the smells of the restaurant. Like they have uh, duck kind of hanging in the front, and you can smell the duck and the, like the different uh, roasted meats that they have. Um, so I could tell like you know it was going to be a good place. Um, and then we sat down, we took a look at the menu, and I have to say like this place has a very expansive menu. Like I think it might have been more than eight pages long, and like you said, there's a long list of porridges. They have their different sections that have their chow mein, their appetizers, their rice plates. And then uh, towards the back, you have like your pork, your vegetables, your chicken, your beef. Um, so just like so many options. So I'm curious, like when you go to a restaurant like this, uh, where do you even start when you look at the menu? Like, are you kind of thinking um, the different uh, combinations of food that you want to put together to like make a meal structure? And like, are there like certain favorite sections look at when you first like open up the menu? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people kind of grew up in the States kind of do know that like Chinatown also kind of reminds you of people uh, that like you see a lot of like duck and like kind of uh, food, like barbecue food hung on the windows. Um, that's kind of like a, that's kind of like a, like a specialty of Chinatown. And uh, I think this one in particular, you, if you see that, you know, it sells out really fast. It's actually a good sign that a lot of people Front. Uh, another thing is, I think a lot of Chinese restaurants like you just look at the, the the customer base, and right, you can see a lot of people eating at this restaurant. We saw a few restaurants in this plaza tonight. Uh, I think this one was definitely at almost eight o'clock at night. I think uh, on a weekday, this was pretty, this was pretty busy. Uh, so I think these two are the kind of kind of signs that tells me this is uh, a good place. And you can just judge it from the outside and you know what looks really going to be on the menu. 
And so you grew up uh, here in Oakland, Chinatown, and you spent most of your life here in the Bay Area. Like your family moved over to Castro Valley, you went to school close by in Berkeley. Um, so, you know, this has been home for you, but really Oakland Chinatown maybe is, is a place that you identify with very closely because it was kind of like your young childhood years. So, uh, you know, what was it like uh, growing up here, here in like Chinatown of Oakland? Yeah, we've hung out where we are sitting right now a lot. Um, I mean, this is probably the, the center of Oakland Chinatown. This is like the plaza, I don't know what a sign is, but this is kind of where the library is. Kind of like the library, the first library I went to, the first library card I got. Uh, I volunteered here uh, for community service and like you know uh, during high school, the Asian Culture Center. My sister took a lot of music lessons there. I got my first cell phone there. Bank Bank America behind me was my first bank account. So it's like this is you know it brings out a lot of memories. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of go to a lot of Chinatown and. Uh, San Francisco, Oakland, and stuff, but I think there is a, you know, a smaller population of people who really grew up here and still to this day I still know that live around here. And now it's been quite a few years since you've lived uh, here in this neighborhood at least, uh, but you still come back once in a while, like, like tonight, like we, we came here and had dinner. Um, so what do you think about the neighborhood now? Like, are there things that you notice that have changed uh, from what you remember it as? Or um, does this neighborhood seem like pretty familiar and how, how do you see it as well? Uh, specifically, San Francisco has one of the older, oldest history of Chinese Americans in the U.S. Uh, they first came here for the gold rush. Uh, in Chinatown in San Francisco is one of the oldest Chinatown and the biggest, one of the bigger Chinatowns in Oakland is actually one of the, I would say, probably newer ones, the public complex. I don't know the true history of it, um, but I would say it was, it was you know, still developing. Like the plaza we're sitting in was built in the 90s uh, when my dad first came here. And he, he, he said the first few weeks he came to America, he saw this plaza being built up. Uh, so definitely, you know, there was really definitely a lot of development. But I think over the last probably like five to ten years, I definitely have seen this point about the neighborhood um, so I've, I've been working in this area for about a year and one thing that is unique about this Chinatown is it's like one block I would say from like downtown Oakland so it just changes so quickly it's kind of like you're in kind of a business hub 
nearby like the train station. Broadway is like the main street that goes through downtown Oakland. And then you come down one block and all of a sudden you're in Chinatown, which I think is a bit different from San Francisco where you have to like go up the hill. It's maybe like a 10 minute walk from like downtown SF. So it's a little bit further. It's not like it just changes like in, in one block like this. So um, maybe that's some part of what contributes to like the changes in the neighborhood with the apartments going up and things like that. It's kind of like its location and its proximity. So let's let's uh, talk about the restaurants around here as well. So uh, you know we, we had like a, a really good uh, kind of Cantonese style dinner um, here uh, in this plaza. Uh, what do you think about the other restaurants uh, here in Oakland Chinatown? And are there any other favorites um, like places that you would frequent? I would say there's a good uh, Hong Kong style cafe a block away from here called Shooting Star. Uh, they open really late. Uh, you know I want to say 2 a.m. Uh, but they serve Hong Kong style cafe food, which is traditionally like kind of like rice plates, uh, with rice plates with like curry, rice plates with like, you know, a pork chop, uh, you might even have like baked rice, uh, you can even get like, you know, like a, like a wonton noodle soup with a side of like macaroni or a side of like um, a chowder, um, because from the Hong Kong, from the kind of Western influence Hong Kong that.
the, the stereotype of Chinatown is that like there's a lot of odor, a lot of like you know it's not clean. The, the newer generation when they do come to America now, like they're either a lot more well educated, they're coming here for you know college or something, uh, and they have a lot more money versus the generation that my parents came or uh, my parents came in the '90s. They really wanted to stick with uh, the Chinese-speaking community uh, back then. Chinatowns around the country. I've been to the Chinatown in Chicago. I've been to the one in New York. Um, obviously here in the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco. Um, I've even been to the Chinatown in, uh, in Havana, Cuba, which which was uh, I would say dying down. Like there there weren't as many people who were uh, native Chinese that were there. And so what I've heard from people who have kind of like talked about these Chinatowns is that they're a bit stuck in the past. Like there was immigration in the past. Um, of people who kind of set up their community and open their restaurants and their businesses and the Chinatowns today in the United States don't exactly reflect what China looks like today because they reflect what China looked like 40 years ago, 30 years ago, whenever these immigrants came. And to your point, like the immigration patterns might be changing. Um, there might not be as many people who are looking to, you know, live in these, in these communities, uh, you know, in, like a Chinatown. Um, so what would be your opinion on like what the future might hold for for cities in the United States? Like is are Chinatowns gonna continue to uh, be a thing? Like are they gonna thrive or you know do you do you think uh, do you have any opinion on what might happen? Uh, I, I think one of the biggest contracts that I saw was in Washington DC. I remember going there and get out at the metro station for Washington DC's Chinatown. You see traditionally the sign uh, we call it the Pi Fall, which is like the gate. Like the gate in San Francisco, that's like a famous tourist gate. But like the one in Washington DC, get out the metro, you see the gate, and then directly across from it, you see the NBA arena, I forgot what it's called, but like, that's, and, and then if you look up top, you also see like high-rise condos and stuff. That was kind of a big contrast uh, to the Chinatowns I know. Um, so to your question, it's like what would happen to these Chinatowns? Um, I think a lot of them are being gentrified and you know, there's, there's generations of, younger generations of Chinese people choose not to live in China, uh, Chinatown itself. There's such a big community of Chinese population and Asian population outside of, of Chinatown. Um, like even today, for, for example, my mom, my mom used to come to Chinatown and shop every day because when we lived here, this was kind of her community. She would go to kind of like a mom and pop type shop uh, to buy more Asian style grocery. But nowadays when we live in the suburbs, 
Um, there's a lot more stores like Lanch Night 9, there's a lot more Asian plazas that are a lot more, let's say, modern. Um, these are like kind of like even grocery chains in general. Uh, so you really don't need to come back to Chinatown for even stuff like that. So maybe that's kind of going to these mom, more mom and pop shops and that's, that could be a reason why they're closing down. Um, as to the future, I think there's definitely more Chinatowns in general. I don't think they would disappear completely, but they might be more historic. Um, I think, I've heard this from like, Asian American studies, but like, um, one theory is that it could be more so like Japan towns, where nowadays you look at San Francisco Japan town, nobody really lives there. It's more like a you know like a historical street uh, where they you know have signs and have some Japanese restaurants uh, around there. But it's more for like tourists, tourism. Uh, Chinatown itself in San Francisco too, they have like two streets of per tourist shops um, where they sell kind of like you know pottery or like more like Chinese ornaments or stuff important from China um, and the true grocery side is kind of closer uh, to the edge of Chinatown where a lot more people are eating groceries, fish markets, and the veg vegetables market but I would say in, I think the long term uh, there's still be Chinatowns but more on a historic Before we started recording um, in the restaurant you were mentioning that you have an uncle who opened up a Chinese restaurant that was in um, Albuquerque, Albuquerque, New Mexico um, so what was that experience like for him? Um, like, I don't know how familiar you, familiar you were with his decision making, but do you know like why he decided to go about, um, you know, moving there and opening up that restaurant? I think, like I said, coming to America, at least in the 90s, uh, and I would say one of the first stops that a lot of Chinese, Chinese immigrants moved to, uh, if, they, if they were, you know, not college educated, that work could be in restaurants, that work could be in like there's less laundry nowadays because everybody has a laundry machine but back then it was laundry. Um, and opening restaurants is like, like like you saw there's a lot of Chinese restaurants, there's still Chinese people demand. There's also a kind of like Westerners who are eating Chinese food. Um, so he I think if I remember correctly that's kind of a story. He worked at a restaurant as a cook to call it one one of the similar to one of those that we just made at uh, for a few years. Uh, he ended up kind of taking over that restaurant, um, taking over that Chinese restaurant, and that restaurant was actually in Castro Valley, actually, ironically where I live uh, now. It was a suburb, and back then, uh, this was like late 1990s. I remember he was really the only Chinese restaurant that was in Castro Valley. Um, these are like kind of the round table stuff or white tablecloths and you still have like a teapot, you still have the Lady Susan in the center. The waiters would dress up in like, you know, um, white shirts and they might have vests. Uh, it was very kind of like, kind of what you expect going into like a, like a, like a Cantonese or, or Chinese style restaurant. And a lot of times when kind of the Westerners go in, they, they only know things that uh, Right, right. Fried rice, chow mein, um, 
all that kind of like kind of Amer more so popularized uh, Chinese food for Americans. So he would serve that, and you know people wouldn't know if that Chinese food was you know, authentic or not. Was they eating it? Probably wouldn't know that it's is it Cantonese. So uh, going back to Albuquerque, uh, what happened was that I think uh, his lease was up, uh, and there was so much more kind of people moving out to the suburbs. Um, myself included to Cash Valley that there's a lot more competition now um, and we were just getting kind of priced out too. So what happened was that he actually um, had a friend who was kind of retiring and giving up his restaurant and that was in like Albuquerque, New Mexico. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if it's Albuquerque. I think it might be like a suburb of Albuquerque too. Um, so he, yeah, he went out there um, to run his restaurant and there's actually stories for, for a lot of people Chinese families across you know, the United States that I'm hearing from like Facebook or, or documentaries now where they grew up being one of the only Chinese families or Asian families in the city or, or town and their family owned a Chinese restaurant. Um, and that was kind of their way of living or way of survival. And I think about my own experience, like I grew up in a small town in Indiana, maybe even more rural and kind of uh, less diverse than a place like Albuquerque, New Mexico. And even we had like one or two Chinese restaurants in our town, and the neighboring towns might have had one or two Chinese restaurants. And just looking at the demographics of the town, like um, it was predominantly like uh, you know Caucasian population. We had some immigrants from Mexico, and then maybe a couple of Asian families. So, um, like you said, like it's just a completely different experience from like how you grew up. You grew up in a place where like you went to Chinese school on Saturdays, like. You could go to the library and get books in Chinese. You could go, like your parents would go to the store or the restaurant and would be able to like speak in, in Cantonese and order things. So um, it's crazy how you can have like such a difference, uh, you know, in different parts of the country and how you can still have uh, like the, the commonality of like food in the restaurants like your uncle is able to do and kind of take what he learned in Castro Valley in the Bay Area and take it to a completely different part of the country and go to New Mexico. And, be able to open up that Chinese restaurant and while you're while you were kind of uh, talking through his experience you mentioned that there's like some documentaries that you've seen that talk about this experience so are there any of those documentaries in particular that like stand out to you that um, you think have been really good I think if we're talking about like kind of class like documentaries or movies about Chinese food um, search for general soul is actually uh, a documentary about finding the origin of General Tso's chicken and where this dish even came from and who, who was General Tso. So they kind of go through like America, uh, a lot of the, the restaurants in America, uh, across the US, they go to like random places in like uh, Mississippi, they would go to random places in like you know Indiana and try to find like hey your restaurant services, your restaurant services and even in San Francisco they serve this, who is General Tso? And, uh, and they can even go to China and figure out, like, like they can find a descendant of General Tso and let them know, like, hey, you know your, like, great-great-great-grandparents is, uh, grandpa is, like, you know, really a very famous dish in, in, in America. So I think that was very cool. It kind of, like, goes through, uh, talks about Chinatown, talks about the communities that, you know, are in the middle of America. Uh, another one is about, uh, another one is called Soul of a Banquet. Um, I actually found this one recently, I think it was on Amazon Prime videos, uh, but this talks about a, uh, a lady uh, in, in 
San Francisco who was not Cantonese, and she actually uh, was from a different different region, uh, different region in China. So I mean, I I think I've spoken mostly about Cantonese, uh, the Cantonese diaspora, at least in Chinatown, at least kind of the uh, even the older history of, of Cantonese people. But I would say even nowadays, and even some of our mutual friends, uh, they come from different regions like Taiwan, like Shanghai, uh, Jiangsu, uh, Beijing, different regions which you know I think after I left Chinatown, after I, I went to college I realized I was a minority speaking Cantonese. Everybody around me speaks Mandarin and even Mandarin speaking people they're not just one group. Uh, there's different kind of foods for them. So going back to this documentary I think this one talks about how she survived uh, kind of coming to Chinatown, making a restaurant that was not Cantonese, uh, so and kind of opening it up to even making high-end restaurant uh, for Cantonese food. And actually, she was her her, her family and, and her her son now actually uh, found a PF, PF Chang's. So that that was kind of her origin story. Um, I think one more I want to mention is just Eddie Huang in Vice. Uh, he's Taiwanese. He uh, he has roots in being in China, uh, he, he, his family is from Hunan, uh, which is a lot more kind of spicy food. Uh, it's a different type of cuisine, and there's, uh, I forgot what the exact number of cuisines of China is, but like you go on Wikipedia, you can actually find, I think it was the seven or eight cuisines of China, uh, and Cantonese food is one of them, Hunan food is another one of them, along with Beijing, Shanghai, Sichuan, uh, and, and a lot of other ones. So Eddie Huang is uh, the guy life story and book was uh, kind of made into a TV series fresh off the boat. Uh, he's a popular chef in New York where he made kind of uh, Taiwanese uh, kind of buns uh, and nowadays he kind of he's kind of like a TV person uh, he does movies now but he's also doing like uh, things on Vice so he had a it was called fresh off the boat but now they change it to Hong's, uh, Hong's World uh, where he goes to different cities not just for Asian food but uh, was, there was a few episodes where she, he goes back to Taiwan, he goes back to uh, Shanghai, he goes back to Hunan itself, and uh, kind of explored those movies. So after seeing some of those documentaries and just kind of getting perspective on, it sounds like they're more than just food, it's like they're not just talking about how something tastes or how it's prepared, but really digging into like the culture and the people and, and the stories that come behind, like the way that the food has developed, whether it be General Tso's chicken, whether it be a chain like PF Chang. So in your experience, like uh, you've lived in different areas in the, in the Bay Area, um, how would you kind of uh, evaluate like the Chinese food in the Bay Area? Like is it different when you go to these uh, different cities or like when you go to San Francisco compared to Oakland? Like are there certain uh, places that, that you would prefer to go for Chinese food and are there some where you feel like you've had like a bad experience? one thing that my parents kind of told me, or just kind of like a, even a saying in Chinese, is like, there's Chinese people everywhere in, in the world, not just, uh, in, you know, San Francisco or New York or, or different cities, even like Havana, Cuba, or like, if I, I recently went on a trip to Europe, uh, and I was in uh, Barcelona, I saw like Chinese, like, China, like a little small Chinatown and Chinese food there too. So, I mean, there's definitely Chinese people everywhere. Uh, some of them, for example, like I said, more so my uncle, I'm not saying his food was bad, uh, I actually remember his food being one of kind of like my childhood, like his dumplings were the best. Uh, 
but like there's some people you know who are you know just there for to kind of cater a need in that community to have a restaurant there um, and I think there's definitely a different taste and different story behind each food I'm not saying each one is you know particularly good or bad but I think there's definitely a lot to learn from kind of eating at a restaurant in Albuquerque, New Mexico or eating at Oakland Chinatown which is you know a slower Chinatown to going to the San Francisco Chinatown there might be restaurants more catered towards when you go for maybe restaurants that have been open for a hundred years so I think it really depends um, I personally actually nowadays I, I would say there's a good amount of different Chinese food along uh, the peninsula and South Bay um, like I said there's so many different types of Chinese cuisine uh, that I don't just eat Cantonese food anymore actually you know I grew up with this but like I don't think I would prefer eating this one now um, I, I love it but like there's also you know I, I'm really into I'm really into like spicy food so I really like Sichuan food eating a lot more kind of spicy fish especially lamb uh, noodles type of thing um, going to more Beijing style stuff there's like dumplings there's like thicker noodles um, Taiwanese a lot more on pickle, pickle plus rice and, and, uh, and minced pork uh, to like Beijing soup so I think I have definitely like diversified and I'm still learning about a lot of these kind of different Chinese cuisines and I want to try those out um, I'm curious um, so I think yeah I don't, I don't think I, I say one area is better than another it's just like oh wow this community has a lot of good a lot of Taiwanese people so they must be known for Taiwanese food in let's say like LA but by the time you come over to like you know Oakland Chinatown maybe they're going over Cantonese food go to you know South Bay or maybe known for uh, Hunan food or Beijing food. And so right now uh, you know we're in Oakland Chinatown um, it's not a place that you live anymore but you spend a lot of time here so, like being back here, are there memories that like come back to you, or is like does this place still have like a significance to you? Like, is, is it kind of like um, a good thing for you to like be able to like come back to a place that like you spent a lot of time as a kid, but like you don't get to hang out here as much anymore? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of sad to see a lot of these like stores disappear, right? Like, I kind of remember going to some of these stores, and like I, my my mom would know them, and then you know they would have kids my age. But nowadays, their shop is closing down because their kids either don't want to take over or you know they moved out of Chinatown. Um, so it's kind of sad seeing a lot of those aspects. But you know, I think there's still definitely going to be a lot of like this plaza itself is not going anywhere. Um, like there's residential buildings upstairs that I don't know. I don't know what percentage of these are Chinese anymore. Um, when I grew up, these were probably like you know 90% Chinese. I don't know. Being so close to Park Station, I don't know how. How diversified it is now, um, but you know this fountain. I, I was telling you, I, I used to like you know put my hand in and try to get pennies out of it. I don't think this library is going anywhere uh, anytime soon. So I don't know how I would feel in like 20, 30 years. But going coming back here is like I'm, I'm sad to see there's a lot of things closing, but you know I'm still happy to see like you know that dump off tonight is still running after for as long as I've known. I, I've definitely appreciated like being able to work so close to Chinatown and. You know, it was really cool to be able to like go to a great restaurant tonight, and I've, I've explored like other restaurants around this neighborhood. So, um, you know, definitely, I feel like it very much is a part of like the heart and soul of Oakland. Like, Oakland's a very diverse city. Uh, it's it's a big city, and like the Chinatown is like is a very important part of that story. 
Um, so now that we're kind of like wrapping up the podcast now, are there any you know last uh, thoughts that you have about um, the Chinatown or like anything else that we discussed today? There are definitely stereotypes, even when I was growing up, uh, about Chinatown. And you know, when I went to college, I didn't want to say I was from Chinatown. Actually, you know, I just said, "Oh, I was from Oakland." Uh, people something sometimes uh, assume otherwise, but I think there's definitely an interesting diaspora growing up in Chinatown, and I think I realize you know this is a story that's not frequently known or told. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's stories from other families uh, about you know how they came to America, what kind of the communities they grew up in. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I'm kind of kind of sad that you know the, the Chinatowns. Either have a particular reputation, or they have become, you know, areas around them has become completely gentrified. It's more like a tourist thing now. I am sad about that, but at the same time, you know, it is good to, you know, have a mark. Uh, you know, like sometimes you go to big cities, you always see like a like a metro station or like a train station. Train station, I say, is Chinatown. And even if it's not on my kind of itinerary to visit a Chinatown in that city, I can still stop by and just kind of. For me, kind of like go there, see how that Chinatown has developed, listen to the accents, listen to, talk to some of the people too. It's like, hey, how long have you been here? Uh, kind of thing, and, and, and kind of hear their story. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for coming on the podcast and doing this episode. Uh, one thing that I did forget to mention uh, earlier in our episode, which I had uh, meant to do, uh, was that you and I were roommates for a year, and I actually uh, celebrated Thanksgiving with your family a couple years back. And so during that Thanksgiving, uh, you know, we had like a lot of like good Chinese food, and for me personally, it was like uh, a really cool thing to experience because I grew up in a very American family where we would have like turkey and mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie, and so like doing Thanksgiving uh, with Chinese food was like something that was new, something that was exciting. It was like my first year living in the Bay Area, and it was cool to have like duck and rice and noodles and seafood and, and all the like good things that we had. So yeah, I mean that, that was like a good memory that I'll look back on, and now it's like this was cool to be able to do this podcast, uh, come to a, a restaurant that you really liked here in Oakland Chinatown, and I haven't been to this restaurant before, even though it's just like a five-minute walk from where I work. So now maybe I can bring my coworkers over here, and um, yeah, continue to explore this neighborhood, and now like know a little bit more about the history and everything like that. So yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Um, Thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode and we'll see you next time.